All right, so welcome to the 5x2 podcast. My name is Matt Gates. My name is Dustin Bartu. And we are here again to talk about five newsworthy things that are out there this week and kind of give you our two two cents, two minutes about it. Two minutes cents. Two minutes cents. All right. So number one, this week, the Senate voted that Trump's national emergency wasn't a national emergency. And uh, basically... Uh, that that wasn't actually the the only thing that they voted against. They also voted to that um, uh, the U.S. support for the Saudi Arabian led coalition war in Yemen. Uh, we're going to pull out uh, any any type of uh, funding for that as well. So it was two kind of rebukes against uh, Trump, and I thought this it's just really interesting because his his response after you know being denied funds for his border wall was to veto. So that was his tweet was capital V-E-T-O exclamation mark, maybe one or two, so that he could circumvent uh, the legislative branch and get direct funding of billions of dollars for his stupid border wall. Um, Yeah, so that's that's the issue. My, My take on it is that he seems to be one of these guys that will do whatever it takes to get whatever it takes. So if you disagree with him, he's going to first, he's going to call you names, going to make fun of you um, and be that schoolyard bully. If he doesn't get his uh, border wall, he calls a national emergency. He's, he, you know, and people say, no, what? No, we don't, we don't feel it's an emergency. Well, I'm going to play bully again. I'm going to say, your vote doesn't count. I'm going to veto it. I'm going to make an end run for billions of dollars. I'm going to take that money away from projects that are already funded. And um, yeah, uh, I, I just, it's just, he's just a kid it's a, <laughs> in, in the White House. Yeah. I mean, look, this just brings to light his desire to be a dictator. I mean, you look at the people that he uh, surrounds himself with from a leadership perspective, the things he compliments. Uh, you know, he has jokingly said recently about China's decision to abolish term limits, you know, and, and I quote here, maybe we'll give that a shot someday. The veto is the single most important tool he has to allow him to act like a dictator. Yeah. And so he's going to use it whenever he can. And I mean, this is just going to go back and forth, back and forth. Uh, I think there needs to be, I think, 60 votes you said against in order for his veto to be vetoed. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's just it's. It's beyond uh, insane. And I mean, I'm just going to say it again. Trump wants to be a dictator. That's his desire. If he gets his way, he will change the American landscape politically. And I think this is a good example of him uh, trying to exercise and groom Groom. Americans to what he wants to ultimately do with uh, the political system. All right. So let's move on to number two. That's about uh, the college entry fraud and bribery scandal. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So uh, we got some famous folks out of Hollywood getting busted because they were paying a certain individual some money. It was a fraud ring. The long and short of it is they paid the money. They had people step in and cheat, write tests on their behalf, grease the right people within universities, a bunch of stuff. Uh, I won't get into the nitty gritty of it. I think what I really want to focus on is like, what is this an example of? And if you recall last week, we were talking about a certain Paul Manafort mm. and how he, he got four to six months in prison for doing some pretty horrible things financially. And we kind of concluded that it seems like rich people 
tend to get away with things. And here we are a week later, and I think we have another excellent example of rich people trying to get away with things. It's insane, but the reality of it is, is the system itself is rigged. And I'm glad that they got caught um, because what they've done is wrong. I mean, their kids apparently don't even want to go to school. Um, they don't even need to go to school, but they've <laughs> taken away uh, actual um, seats. So like, you know, for example, the USC part of it, um, with what's her name, Aunt Becky. Yes, Freddie Laughlin. Yeah, is the, her daughters took the seats of actual like spaces for rowers, mm-hmm. and apparently the way that they made it happen was they just said take a couple of pictures of your daughters on row machines, and then they did some things, and these girls are in, and they don't even want to go, and so I think it's just a travesty, and uh, yeah, I'm glad they're going to get busted for this. Oh yeah, and I I can't believe that she would spend two hundred and fifty thousand dollars on each kid to get them into USC, like it's a good school and all. But now their their reputation is going to be trashed because of this scandal. And they've worked so hard to become a university that's like really looked at as a, one of those leading places that you do want to go. Um, where, where I have a big problem too with this is that, to your point, it's the rich will do whatever they take to get whatever they want. So here they are thinking, I'm going to pay, pay some money. I'm going to take the opportunity away from... Uh, other kids who most likely I would say deserve it and worked to get into a, you know whatever school because this is not just USC it's Yale it's a there's a, a bunch of Ivy League schools um, so that that was uh, to, to me a really big issue of also what are you teaching your kids what message are you saying that with money you can do whatever you want and with no re- repercussions now they're going to get charged. Fantastic. That's great. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And, and I'll add one other thing. Yes. This is a perfect example of parenting failure. Absolutely. Pure parenting failure. Like you have done such a terrible job of raising your children that you need to bail them out to get them into university. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and if they weren't qualified to get in there in the first place, like just deal. I mean, they you, don't deserve to be there. Yeah. They, it, they don't. They, they didn't work hard enough to get in there. So let them go. Let them do. You've got money. Set them up with their own primetime TV show if you want to do something for them. It's, it's just nuts. It's crazy. Um, all right. So we're going to move on. Uh, clearly, there's lots we want to say more yes. about that one. But the, the third subject is a really, uh, it's a very sad one. Uh, this past week, um, you know, there was a mass murder. At, at this point, 51 people have already lost their lives and there could be more. Uh, and we want to talk about the terrorist attack that happened in Christchurch. Um, I've got a slightly different perspective that I want to call up, but Matt, I'll give you a chance to sort of share your thoughts initially on on this, you know, tragedy. It's a horrible thing. It is. Uh, so just to kind of bring you up to speed, if you didn't know about it, but I'm sure you have, there was like this massacre where uh, this 28-year-old went in and, he, and just went into two different mosques and shot people dead ridiculous when you think about it not only the the tragedy of it all but he 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 had um what is it put put the names of various uh terrorists influences influences uh, around the world on his gun and so this is where he's you know calling out these people for his inspiration some kind of reason why he's doing all this and the other part which was really kind of disturbing was that he he also live streamed it 
mm-hmm. which was to me, it's just mind blowing that he feels like he, he, you know, people would want to actually watch this crap. Um, but it's all around. I know you want to get into the uh, Islamophobia and that that is, mm-hmm. is something that is a worldwide epidemic mm-hmm. that people are downplaying that it has nothing to do with that. It's, but I'll let you get into that. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, we talk about the Canadian perspective on it and, um, the shooter had the name of a Canadian terrorist on his, on his rifle. And I want to kind of just, just focus in on the fact that Islamophobia is a real thing and it's a problem within our own country. Uh, and I want to focus on Quebec because Quebec is, is kind of the heart of this. And there's some really interesting statistics that I learned about this week around this. Uh, and I'll start with their premier, Francois Legault. I mean, he came out on February 1st and stated that he does not believe that there's actually a Islamophobic or racist issue in Quebec. This was a man 45 days ago who says this. And literally a few days ago, like this sort of a thing happens. And he's got the name of a Canadian, a Quebec Canadian. And I'm not trying to focus on on Quebec in, in, in general. I'm just saying as a, as a country, the heart of where Islamophobia is actually rooted is in Quebec. There's a lot of this happening. Mm. And it, if you think about the idea that the premier of the province would be that cavalier, and just being like, no, there's no problem here. Right. Like, but there is. Like, literally, seven people were murdered in our in our country over this thing. You know, there's, uh, and I'll share a couple of quick statistics here. Like, 369 uh, attacks happened against Jewish people in 2017. They're the, the most targeted group. 350 of them happened against Muslims. Muslims are the second most targeted group for hate crimes. Of the 350, though, between the two groups, actually, the largest that had violence associated to it were Muslims. Okay, we have a issue in our country. This is not just about Christchurch. This is a problem in Canada. And there are some very extreme groups that exist in our country. And this is not something that's going to stop unless we start to go after people like Francois Legault, the premier of a province. He needs to be held accountable. Um, You know, I don't even want to get started about Andrew Scheer and his insanely inappropriate comments about refusing to recognize that it was about Islam, Islamophobia, and Muslims, and wanted to call it an attack on freedom. I could probably talk about that for an hour. But the point that I'm trying to make here is that we as Canadians have a responsibility to talk about this and call this out because we have an obligation to protect all people, absolutely, including you know Islamic people in our country. That's one of the things that makes our country great. So that's my two cents on it. Um, I wish I could talk more about it, but you know we do have a, yeah. a time limit on we, this. We point. try, we try. Um, so moving moving right along. Um, the fourth one, interestingly enough, we thought this was going to be the big talking point, you know, for our, our episode this this week. But we want to talk about the grounding of the Boeing 37, 737 MAX 8 and 9 planes, um, you know, being that there's been two crashes. And what I'll share about this is that uh, I think that it's the right reaction, but it's an overreaction. Meaning the decision to ground the planes was the right decision. Knowing now that there was a software issue, knowing that... Boeing was aware of this problem and to be honest failed to take the right steps to prevent this tragedy but it's so much more complex than that as we've sort of studied into this and learned more about it there's a role that the government shutdown had in the US on this that's crazy there's a role that the FAA and Boeing had in terms of agreeing upon the software so this software update was available um, and could have been ready something like six to eight weeks sooner than, than, than it's going to be. But because the FAA and Boeing couldn't align, that was a problem. Um, the government shut down that delayed it by like five weeks. 
Um, that's the so so I understand the reaction to ground all the planes, mm. but from a overreaction, when I did the math, you know, this is the most popular plane in the world for short haul. If you've flown from Vancouver to Montreal, Toronto, Mexico, the Caribbeans, LA, to give you perspective, Hawaii, this is the plane you fly on. Mm. It's a very popular plane. Um, the probability of what occurred happening again, um, you know, say to you, like the chances were like of having your head crushed in an elevator, like mathematically, even though this flaw exists, still flying in this plane is still way, way safer than most of the things we do day in and day out. So I think it was a right reaction, but I think it was an overreaction, if that makes sense. Right. And I, I don't disagree. I think it is a bit of an overreaction and I get why it happens. Um, when you think that the other crash happened six months ago and then you have this one happen, it's a, uh, this, the same plane, you have a recency effect, it's a bias. We're going to think, hey, now it's going to happen with this plane more and more often. And so let's just ground them all. Even though if statistically, if you did the math, that's probably not going to be the case. That is so, so small that you could probably get that software issue out and problem solved. But if you are that country or that uh, flight that goes down before that software update gets done, you're screwed, right? I mean, yes, the, there, there are statistics that'll say, no, nah, it's not going to happen uh, anytime soon if it was going to happen at all, because now we're, now we're educated about it. Now we're going to send uh, whatever the, the uh, instructions on the pilots on, on how to deal with this particular problem. But if it does happen, you have that one pilot who, I don't know, missed that training session or didn't take it seriously or whatever, mm. um, and the plane goes down. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to be, you know, you don't want to be that guy because you're going to be dead, first of all. But like you have, you have other people's lives that you're taking care of. Yeah. And so I think it's, it is the right decision in the end. Um, and we'll see how it all pans out. Well, Boeing's going to be paying some dollars. Yeah. Well, like I think I saw some stat that they had lost $27 billion in, eva in valuation. So... Yeah. That that's just the tip of the iceberg and probably what they're going to end up paying. Our last section is going to be a new one. We're going to start the 60 seconds of sunshine where both of us will get one minute each to talk about a good news story. Because as you can tell, there's a lot of things that are not so great happening out in the world, but we want to leave you with something that is uh, uplifting, um, something that, that may bring a smile to your face. So go ahead. I'll give you the first crack at this. All one. right. The first ever minute yes. of sunshine officially. <laughs> I want to talk about a gentleman in India who is the second wealthiest man in India. His name is Azim Premji. Uh, he's a chairman of uh, We Pro Limited. This past week, he donated $7.5 billion to his foundation, the Azim Premji Foundation. This is, I think, the single largest donation uh, I think in the history of sort of donations from philanthropists in India. Um, that's not the part that's really interesting about this though. I mean, that's amazing. But since 2001, this man has donated over $21 billion to his foundation. Um, he's also the only Indian citizen to be, uh, to sign up for the giving pledge, uh, which is a campaign launched by Bill and Melinda Gates. Yes. Not, uh, and Warren what do you call them? <laughs> Belinda. Belinda. Uh, yes. Bill and Melinda Gates and, of course, Warren Buffet. Buffet, yeah. Okay. Or Buffet. Uh, or Buffet. Um, where, essentially, they're committing to giving up half their, their wealth to charity. Uh, so, I think it's a fantastic thing. We need more of that in this world mm. because it's going to help a lot of people out. So, hey, again, Azim Premji, 
you're an OG, you're 73, well done. Hey, that rhymes. Uh, for my 60 seconds, uh, what I wanted to talk about were all the kids that on Friday, this isn't just for Friday, but the kids around the world were protesting the in inaction that's happening on climate change. So tens of thousands of kids, uh, students worldwide walking out of class and piling in the streets, demanding the world leaders take action on the threat to their survival, which is climate change. I mean, they're challenging leaders to find something, anything to fix the planet that they will eventually inherit. So I thought this was great because it's actually, um, you know, they're, they're really caring about our environment. They recognize that this is something that is, that, that is a legit threat that a lot of people are just not taking into account. I mean, how do you even deny client change to begin with? Uh, and if, for, I'll just throw this out. For those who maybe don't think it's real, there are, there are people that are much smarter than you have been doing research on this for years. Scientific evidence shows that there's global temperatures that are rising, that oceans are warming, that uh, ice sheets and glaciers are melting. Uh, they're disappearing. The ocean levels are rising. So all of this has contributed, to all, even the extreme weather. If you think about what happened just this week, we could have talked about some of the, uh, the tornadoes that were happening in Kentucky and somewhere else in the Midwest. But this is extreme weather stuff. And it's in part due to all this climate change that we're not taking seriously that the, you know, people in governments are saying, that's eh, not really a thing. So I applaud these kids are getting out there and having this ongoing conversation about how important it is because it's not just important for them. It's important for us too. Uh, we've got a few years to live, I hope. Yeah. So that, that's my 60 seconds. I don't even know if that was 60 seconds. I, I couldn't see the timer. But, uh, but I'll tell you, uh, this was a fun one. Uh, we'll do the same. We'll look forward to whatever fun stuff to talk about next week. Yeah. Hey, thanks again for tuning in. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. And you will hear from us again next Sunday. Next Sunday. All right. Have a good one.